Microphone check. One, two. CC. Hello and welcome at CC. Hello and welcome at one, two, three, four, five, six. She sells seashells by the seashore. She sells seashells by the seashore. There we go. Rolling. There are a lot of people willing to, you know, help you push their agenda and their cause and you lose creative control. And I, I didn't get into this to be a dancing monkey. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I needed to do what I needed to do. And this is my dharma. Like I'm, I, I, you know, just because I'm not in the monastery doesn't mean I'm not doing that work. We have a, a tremendous responsibility as filmmakers to advocate for beauty and truth in a way that that captures human spirit and gets them you know out of this polarity of like red team blue team or whatever the hell game they're playing and sees people for who they are sees situations for who they are hello and welcome to the documentary life a show that sets out to inspire and inform you on how to best live and lead your own documentary life I am your host, Chris G. Parkhurst, and this is episode number 82. And it is brought to you by Barong Films, proud creators of Documentary Film, the Documentary Life Podcast, and the Documentary Academy, our industry-changing A to Z documentary filmmaking program that will transform you into the documentary filmmaker that you've always wanted to be. Find out more at thedocumentarylife.com slash academy. As any of you who have been listening to the show for a bit now would know, one of the unique things about our program is that we don't simply focus on the how-to aspects of documentary filmmaking. Yes, of course, it is a substantial part of what we talk about here on The Documentary Life, but as the name suggests, we also discuss the lifestyle aspects associated with living one's doc life. It's always been important to me that this podcast give a much more holistic look at not only how we make our documentary films, but how we make our documentary lives as well. And today's guest may in fact embody that more than anyone we've had on the program to date. His name is Pedram Shojai. I should say Dr. Pedram Shojai, as he has a very significant background in oriental medicine. He is a man who spent decades meditating, practicing Tai Chi, Kung Fu, and Qigong. He is the man behind Well.org and the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Urban Monk. He is also busy making documentary films that he believes will create some positive, real, and actionable change in our world. In short, we'll be speaking to a man who is most certainly doing his part to make the world a better place to live in. And as a sort of primer for today's shared conversation with an industry guest, I'm going to provide you with five ways to increase your filmmaking creativity. Lots of exciting and very appropriate stuff on tap for today's episode. All of this is coming up next on The Documentary Life. So let's go ahead and jump right into five ways to increase your filmmaking creativity. Number one, get outside. Yeah, like seriously, get the hell away from your laptop, mobile device, iPad, whatever. Getting outside can certainly mean just getting outside your house or apartment and taking a stroll down the park blocks. If you happen to live in a city, that's fine. At least you're out actually engaging with the world as opposed to interacting with it, you know, say in a virtual sense. Talking to an actual human being instead of their avatar is certainly a helpful thing. But I'm actually more talking about getting out into nature. 
getting in touch with your roots, like as in trees or a mountain. And not to get all Buddha on you, but try sitting down by a stream and watching the river flow. Isn't that a Dylan song, actually? (laughs) Watching the river flow? The idea here is to disconnect from all of that, I don't know, intense writing or photo touch-ups or or editing or or whatever you may be doing in the dark on your laptop and, and stepping outside to recharge a little bit. Breathe in the air. Now, now that's Pink Floyd, right? Wow, the musical references are really flying today. I want you to step back from all of the hard work that you've been putting in. And by the way, this can really be important for the editors amongst us who are not unaccustomed to, say, spending upwards of, of 12 to 15 hours a day in front of our computers. I want you to step back from all of the hard work and just get out into the wilderness and do anything but be in front of your computer or camera's monitor. Recharge and re-energize those creative juices. That's what we're looking to do here. Number two, find something good. Years ago, when I was first doing documentary work in Cambodia, we were spending six months in the countryside filming people digging up old UXOs and mortars and bombs, and they were attempting to dismantle the metal from the TNT in order to sell on to the scrap metal trade. At the time, Cambodia had the highest per capita amputee rate in the world, which meant one out of about every seven people were missing a limb. They were long days in the sweltering Cambodian sun, and they were six days a week. Often I was feeling sick from exhaustion or the desperate things that I was seeing and hearing about every day. I remember well an old dear friend. She wrote me an email and and demanded that I do something for her, although it was really do something for myself. She wanted me to take a mental picture of something, anything that I saw in the day that made me smile or brought some sort of lightness regardless of size or duration. And, and, and she wanted me to write that one thing down in this little book that I was carrying around. So I started to do this every day. One day it could be a pretty little flower on the side of the road. It might be a pleasant exchange I had with a sugarcane seller or the smell of a cooking fire. Um, the many incredible wondrous shades of green of a rice field. And I wrote these things down at the end of each day. And, and I have to say that it always brought me back to a, to a positive, lighter state of being. Often after having experienced another of those, you know, the aforementioned long or heavy days. And I might implore you to do the same, especially certainly if you happen to be immersed in, in a doc project that might also deal in heavier subject matter. Write down something positive that you experience. Nowadays, you could even whip out your mobile device and, and snap a quick pic if it's something that you see. However you do this, the idea is to document your little moment. It can be a nice reminder, you know, that there are beautiful things out there in the world and that they too should be celebrated every single day. Number three, engage with some like-minded people. Too often, we as doc filmmakers, we can lead somewhat solitary existences. We've mentioned this many times here in the program, that even within the film industry, we doc filmmakers, while we might be the most in need of finances or resources or some sort of connectivity, we tend to be the ones that might be the least connected in the industry. And so it's important for us to do things, i.e. get out there and interact with other people who are either doing what we do or at least are doing something creative in their own lives. We need this as human beings. We need this connectivity. 
You know, actually at the time of this of the recording of this particular show, we're only about 10 days from attending Podcast Movement 2018 in Philadelphia. It's the biggest industry gathering of its kind in the US. We went to our first Podcast Movement last year and it was a revelation. To be amongst a crowd of hundreds of people who are also producing podcasts, talking podcasts, living and breathing podcasts, and who we didn't actually have to explain what a podcast was and why we were doing one. Well, yeah, it, it was it was a, a breath of fresh air, to say the least. And it's the same with us doc filmmakers. We need to be engaging with other doc filmmakers, having conversations about things like fundraising, distribution, fiscal sponsorships, or how the hell we live our creative lives when we're also responsible for providing for a family of four. A lot of us may not live in L.A., London, or New York. In fact, probably most of you doc lifers don't. And so we may have to go a little out of our way to meet up with other filmmakers or creatives. We may have to listen to podcasts like this one. We may need to get hooked up with groups online. But it is important that we do these things. And fairly regularly. We need to feel connected to other people who are doing what we also do and are living in the way that we are living. Number four, ask for feedback. Sometimes we can get so stuck in the films that we're making that we forget to share any of the process with the world. And the more that we're the only people experiencing our films while we're making them, the more possibility of becoming so attached to what we're seeing, and this is, again, especially the case when we're editing our films, that we start to lose some perspective on the projects. I can give you an example of this. Years ago, when I was working on Journey to Kathmandu, I'd been editing the film for nearly three years, maybe even closer to four. Now, there were large gaps between when I was able to work on it, but nonetheless, I'd spent a ton of time cutting the film. But I didn't ever seem to get any closer to being able to, I don't know, like host a rough cut viewing of the film. Finally, one day after being increasingly frustrated with, with not being able to figure out the direction of the story that I wanted to take with the film, I finally showed what I had to a colleague who actually had insisted that I do so. I think he was sick of hearing about how I was editing the film, but never seemed to be, to be getting close to finishing it. After watching the cut, he offered so much insight and inspiration that I had the kind of breakthroughs that enabled me to finish editing a rough cut of the film within two weeks' time. Now, without allowing someone to see where I was with the film, who can say how much longer I would have been spinning my wheels on the project? By letting this colleague into my filmmaking process, it had unlocked something in me and my film that allowed me to make real true progress on it. So, if you should need some unlocking of creativity or you're feeling stagnant in any way on your project, consider allowing someone to take a look at it. It might be just the thing you need to kickstart your creativity. Lastly, number five, exercise. I mean, this one's a no-brainer, right? In fact, a recent study by the National Institute of Health indicated that a way to help any mental fog and fatigue is to participate in bouts of strenuous activity. For years, I was a runner. I'm now getting a bit more into biking, actually. And I can't tell you how many times after a long day of working, I'd go out for a run to reinvigorate the body and mind. Oftentimes, the answers to some mental block, maybe that I'd had about work or a life issue that I was having, it would suddenly, this mental block would suddenly open up for me. Or maybe a creative solution to a filmmaking challenge that I was up against, it would come to me. The thing is, 
If we're too sedentary in our lives, again, especially true for the editors amongst us, we can become too accustomed to one set of thought patterns. It makes it very difficult to navigate in a creative fashion when we get tied to only one way of thinking. Now, this is not just me saying, hey, it's healthy and good for you to exercise. Physical activity can truly help unleash the creative juices. All right, so those are five ways to increase your filmmaking creativity. Remember, you can always go to the show notes for this episode by going to thedocumentarylife.com. And within those show notes, I'll actually write these out so you can see what they look like on paper, if you will. Now, I also imagine that you may have some of your own ways to increase creativity, and we would love to hear about them. So please send me an email at chris at barongfilms.com. That's chris, C-H-R-I-S at B-A-R-A-N-G films.com. Or why not even consider sharing directly with the Doc Lifer community and posting in the Documentary Life Community Facebook group. If you're not already a member, it's free. Simply search for the Documentary Life Community within Facebook and get started with the Doc Lifer community today. All right, next up, we talk with Dr. Pedram Shojai, a.k.a. The Urban Monk, and he's going to speak to you about oh so many things that anyone who is living a doc life can truly relate to. Can't wait for you to hear the conversation, and it is just around the corner. There are plenty of places online to learn how to do things like split the audio signals coming into your camera, or how to animate some of your still photos, or get some great tips on lighting your interview, many blogs, YouTube videos, and of course podcasts where you can quickly grab an answer to a tech-related question. But what if there was one place where you could learn from beginning to end how to make a documentary film and how to become a doc filmmaker, how to raise money and build an audience for your doc, how to form strategic partnerships and launch your doc out into the world, and perhaps even, if you can imagine, make some money from it? Well, there is such a place, and it's called the Documentary Academy. Steph and I took two years to build out this comprehensive resource that takes you step-by-step from story creation and pre-production all the way to post-production, launch, and distribution. The Academy takes you through your doc filmmaking journey as your most confident, active, strategic, creative, focused, and articulate self. It is a step-by-step guide to empowerment in the documentary filmmaking world. We know what we have in the Documentary Academy. Now it's up to you to discover what you have as a doc filmmaker. Do that today by heading over to thedocumentarylife.com slash academy. Today, I'm honored to welcome Dr. Pedram Shojai, also known as the Urban Monk to a lot of us. And we're going to be talking today a lot about this idea of maximizing your doc life. To give you some idea of Pedram's background, he was a Taoist monk for four years, a director of Oriental medicine, a Qigong master. He has studied Kung Fu and Tai Chi. He is the founder of Well.org. and He is the author of books like The Urban Monk and The Art of Stopping Time. And he also, surprise, surprise, happens to be a doc filmmaker, including films like Vitality, Origins, and his latest film, Prosperity. 
Dr. Pedram Shojai, welcome to The Documentary Life. I'm looking forward to this conversation, man. Hey, great to be here. In order to give us some context of who Pedram Shojai is and what his journey was like into becoming a doc filmmaker, why don't you give us a brief idea what that journey was from living a monastery life in China to founding well.org and then to becoming a doc filmmaker? Sure. I'll give you the, the abridged abridged is, yeah, exactly. uh, you know, came back from all the kind of mystical studies in the, in the mountains, uh, became, uh, you know, doctor of oriental medicine, seeing, um, dozens of patients a day in Los Angeles, California. Um, you know, just trying to make the world a better place, try to help people. And, uh, I just got to the point where I realized a, we were losing, uh, you know, we were losing the healthcare thing. You know, we're sitting there trying to bandage guys up in the, in the mash unit while the war was raging on. And I realized it was a, a life style war, not, um, you know, anything I could fix in my clinic. Uh, and I was tired of repeating myself, you know, giving the same advice over and over again, you know, how are you eating? How are you sleeping? That stuff does matter. And I realized we were losing the propaganda game. Um, and at the time, uh, you know, having kind of stated goals to make the world a better place, I had to really look down the barrel of where my life was going and realized I wasn't going to win the game I was playing. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And at, and at that point, you either start drinking or you change change what you're doing. And so um, I realized that it, I had to, you know, kind of fix that. I started getting into some did some instructional DVD stuff uh, with a, a group, and uh, they're like, "Dude, we like we like your style. Like, you want to you want to do a film together?" And I said, "Sure, let's go. This sounds like fun. This seems like it can scale." Uh, and then we agreed to disagree because they they thought it was about you know technologies the government didn't want you to know about that can cure AIDS. And I'm like, uh-huh. yo, I'm just trying to get people to eat vegetables. Like, we're, we're we're missing this, right? Like, this isn't this isn't the problem. The problem isn't a conspiracy. The problem is just you know, um, uh, it's it's a lack of awareness yeah. and and some brainwashing that's happening on a pretty high level. Um, you know, from the companies that are profiting the most. And so we agreed to disagree. I ended up buying the rights to the film and mm-hmm. said to myself, oh oh. Um, I don't, I don't know how to do this. Right? So, you know, I started calling friends and being like, yo, I, I got a ton of footage on my hands and I got a lot more I need to get, uh, help. And so that yeah. was back in like, you know, 2010, 2009, 10. Um, and just, you know, by hook or by crook, I just, you know, I figured it out, came out with my first film. And then I started talking to distributors and, you know, like I'm not from the space. Right. So I'm like, wow, this is, this is disgusting like this is so parasitic why would right. i have spent my life savings on this passion project and just hand it over to this like narcissist who represents a room full of lawyers <laughs> uh don't really do anything other than just bundle your your asset up with a bunch of others and that's right you know wish you luck and hopefully you get paid so i started looking at what <laughs> other people were doing online and was like okay i got it I'm going to give the film away for free on the internet in exchange Mm. for an email. Mm. And the loops that I open through the film, I will have a lifestyle program that will, you know, support their health and all the things that we talked about in the film that they could choose to buy after seeing my film for free. And, uh, you know, three weeks later, I had 125,000 emails and mid six figures in revenue. And and everyone's looking at me going, dude, jackpot. I go, really? Like, yeah. And so I I started really working uh, the documentary model, but in the freemium capacity saying, look, I want to do this to help the world anyways. Netflix isn't that exciting. So how do I get this in front of everybody and still make a living doing it? So that's how I ended up in this mess. You've said a lot there in like two minutes that I think is going to speak directly directly to the hearts of so many of, 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 of our listeners of the program. 
And well.org, when did this happen for you and how did it come to be? Yeah, so it, it actually happened right around the time where my first film kind of came out and hit. Right. Um, and I'm like, well, what the hell do I do with all this other footage? You know, yeah. hundreds of hours, as you know, just sitting around on the chopping room floor. I mean, not anymore. It's just, you know, hard disk. That's right. And, right. But like, you know, look, I got all this gold that didn't make it. And these are my babies. And so what I did is a friend of mine was a domain broker at the time. He's like, look, I know you can't afford this because you just spent all your money on this film. But I'm going to I'm going to hold it for you until you can. Oh, and wow. so he I, so I got well.org. I you know, paid a pretty penny to him afterwards. But yeah. um, the the domain was perfect because I really wanted it to be the intersection of health, environment and conscious capital, which is, you know, kind of what it evolved into. Uh, and then I started with, you know, lots of extra footage and B-roll and footage that we used mm -hmm. and like kind of repurposed and blogged and, you know, all the stuff that I had to kind of figure out um, coming from a different world. Right. Uh, and it just started to pick up steam because our whole thing was like, you know what, there's enough BS out there. Yeah, right? And yeah. so like, look, we're just going to, we're going to talk truth and we're going to, you know, represent, uh, media that is, you know, kind of going after big world issues. And, and, you know, there's a certain sector out there that's a growing sector that's starving for information along those lines. That's why, you know, uh, documentaries are, are, are trending up right now. I mean, right. documentaries are a segment that's doing really well because smart people don't want to watch the Kardashians. They yeah. don't want to watch the bullshit. And so we started speaking to people who give a shit and, um, you know, want to get activated to do something on the world that we all live in. That's right, and uh, and and God forbid you turn elsewhere for, than than Netflix and and Amazon. I mean, they certainly have their place for us, and uh, and doc filmmakers are very appreciative of that. We've had plenty of filmmakers who have had their films distributed on those platforms, but uh, that that's certainly not the only avenue for certainly the consumer and then we doc filmmakers. Yeah. To that point, look, I've I've had films on Netflix. Right. I don't get the I don't get the emails from the people who watch my film. That's right. So at the end of the day, you're out there hustling, you know, trying to make another film, uh, wondering who's going to give you the budget. Whereas if you had a direct connection with your audience and you had an email list, then hey, you're like, hey guys, my next film's out, <laughs> right? It's, it's that yeah. simple. And so you know, I don't, I don't, I think that you know, if you window it correctly and get a film on one of those platforms, mm. kind of later in life, mm. uh, it makes sense. But to do it to just go straight, unless they're paying for the party and you know every deal is different that's right I, I just I don't I don't see it as a winning strategy for a documentary filmmaker who wants to actually you know keep doing this for a living who <laughs> want this to be a sustainable living exactly yeah, yeah so I'd like to read your mission statement from well.org and I'd love to then hear how you think it applies in particular to the doc films that you're doing the mission statement reads as follows we are committed to helping people help themselves and in turn, supporting their community and their world. Our mission is to revolutionize commerce and create a vehicle for positive change by bringing attention to people who are doing good work in our communities. Tell us a little bit about how that applies to the doc film work that you're doing. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like following breadcrumbs, if you will. I mean, my first doc was like, look, you know what, the healthcare system ain't going to fix you. So step up. Right. And when we realized that it was all the environmental toxins and all these other things that are added to the foods and all these things that, that are kind of suffocating our health, we followed those breadcrumbs. And it was like, OK, well, you don't have to buy that crap. So what you know, what does the world look like if you just buy things that that make the world a better place? Mm. And really, it just became about personal empowerment. Uh, everyone's looking for a hero. Everyone's looking for a guru. Everyone's looking for, you know, the winning politician that's going to like come in and like sweep through and fix everything. And I think those days are over. I think we just need, you know, billions of people stepping up and being like enough's enough. Mm. Um, you know, 
we don't tolerate intolerance. We, you know, we don't eat bullshit food and get yeah. sick and, and hope someone fixes us. And, and so it just became a, a platform for personal empowerment in a non-denominational, you know, don't get weird kind of way. Yeah, right? right. Just right. like, get, yeah, just get healthy, take care of yourself and then be, you know, a bastion of stability in your community and stand for the world by standing in the world. There is a system of medicine that is failing us. It feeds off of sickness and it's costing us more every year. More people arrive at its doorsteps daily as our lives become more hectic. We can't seem to slow down and we throw more money at it hoping it'll help. It is a model for sick care, where doctors get paid to treat illness, not to prevent it. It is just a broken system. is a better way. In, in Vitality, what was it that spoke to you about that film that, that, that you said, you know what, man, this is the first film I need to do. I need to make this film. And then maybe you can share what maybe a biggest surprise or learning curve was for you as a first-time doc maker. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the, the learning curve was, you know, I used to have hair. Let's see. <laughs> we'll start there and go backwards, right? You and me both, pal. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what, what got me to go there was like, you know, we all you know, it's we live in such a complicated world and we live in a world where, you know, between the news and the technology and all this stuff, the complexity keeps stacking. And so because we have complex problems, we're looking for complex solution sets to our complex problems. Mm. But, you know, the, the, the premise is, what if the the remedy for complexity is actually some simplicity, right? So instead of talking about like, you know, the latest, um, you know, cofactors or yeah. epigenetic expressions and all the stuff that like, you know, scientists like to sound smart about, mm. it's like, why don't we just go back to the original concept of vital vitalism, if you will, mm. and say, look, the body knows how to keep itself healthy if you give it the right ingredients and you, you kind of take care of balancing these four areas of diet, exercise, sleep, and mindset, right? And so we kind of created, uh, you know, kind of a visual. And, and look, it sucked because this is back in 2010, and you know, it's, it's, you know, my movies have gotten way better. But like, you know, we get these graphics that that are, you know, spinning spheres, if you will. And once your diet <laughs> sphere is working, then you know, once they're all spinning, then the vitality wheel starts to spin, and that's when you have health, right? And so simplifying it in that way and creating a framework for people to understand health in a way that doesn't make them feel kind of small and disempowered and like, oh shit, like, who, you know, who's the doctor I got to go to that's mm. going to save me? Man, we, we've helped hundreds of thousands of people lose weight, you know, turn around diabetes. I mean, all kinds of things that the medical system say, well, that's not, you know, they don't listen. It's like, no, no, you talk over their heads. Yeah, and you talk you down don't to listen. Them. <laughs> yeah, you don't listen. And, and, you know, it's a trillion dollar industry that's built on, you know, it's, it's, it's why 
like Wall Street guys, you know, use big words too, right? It's it's if it's too complicated, you're too stupid to understand. So give me your power, give me your money, and let me drive, right? Oh, exactly. And that's yeah, and that's bullshit, right? And so what we did is we just created a, a simplified message about you know personal health through empowerment and and things that they need to do every day. And look, we cut it down to like 54 minutes. I mean, it's a quick get in, mm. get out. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, expose of like, you know, what health really should be. And then we just give them a ton of resources and be like, no, go get it. Did you see an audience for, for, uh, I want to say these films, but I, I'd like to hear in particular, just because it's your first doc. Did you see an audience for Vitality before you started making it? And and was your audience sort of long being built prior to this, whether it's through well.org or, or, or the Pedram Shojai brand, but probably not the last part because this, you did the film first, right? Yeah. I had, uh, I had no brand, right? Yeah, I yeah. had no, none of that happening. And so, but and and now it's like we do all this like kind of sophisticated, you know, analysis of audiences mm. and trying to figure out, you know, you know, who these people are and what keeps them up at night and all that. Yeah. At that time, uh, you know, I didn't have it per se, but boy, did I have it, man. I had thousands of patients, man. I was on uh, the, the bleeding edge uh, of clinical care where these people would come to me like, help me, Obi-Wan, you're my only hope. And right. I'm just like, man. Your chart is like six inches thick and I got to like read this and figure out why everyone else failed you and what I got to, you know, so I knew, I knew why people were suffering every single day. Mm. And and so, you know, I saw, you know, when I started making this thing, especially like, you know, all my two camera throws and all that is like, I'm just looking at patients in my history that I'm talking to. And so you do all this market research, uh, you know, in filmmaking now, and we start looking at, you know, what the, you know, who's going to, you know, what's this going to trend towards and who's going to share this and who our coalition partners are. And, you know, you get cute. But at that time, man, it was just like, I knew, I mean, when people come to me, they give me a chief complaint as a physician, right? They're complaining to me. They're telling me what's wrong. Right. So, you know, and, and like, you know, I don't care how good you are at surveying, you know, it's how hard it is to get people to honestly, you know, tell you what's wrong so that you can help them um, in, in like your, your filmmaking. So like, you know, I had this distinct advantage of having thousands of people already kind of come in and, yeah, and cry yeah. to me about life. Yeah. And I knew exactly what the problem was. And so, and then, and then to, to kind of, you know, follow up on the point that you made is no, I didn't have a list. So what I did was I made a movie that everyone else's audiences wanted to see. Mm. And then I created affiliate arrangements where, you know, 50% of my hundred dollar, you know, lifestyle program went straight back to the affiliates. And I went and drummed up a bunch of people in the health community to be uh, like, Hey, I made this film and it's going to really help you, you know, kind of, explain what's going on right. to the people uh, in your audience. So I had, you know, hundreds of thousands of people come in and, you know, I had, what is it, 125,000 emails in the first three weeks. Wow. I mean, that's a lot of people. It's like, right. you know, that's a prop stadium full of people. Yeah. And it, now listen, talk, you know, in, in online stuff, they talk about all this, like, you know, these videos and indoctrination and all that. I just gave someone 54 minutes of a pure give of a, of a you know, film that I spent my life savings on yes. designed to help and so not only have I inspired them and educated them, I've earned their trust. So, you know, a few thousand of them, you know, I don't know how many it was at this point. I got it, yeah. you know, like those are old stats. Yeah. But a few thousand of them are like, yeah, man, here's a hundred bucks. Here's totally. 200 bucks. Yeah. I want the lifestyle program, <laughs> exactly, right? Exactly, of course. Yeah, and then you keep serving them and you keep serving them. And so it becomes this virtuous cycle where then I had money in the bank to fund my own next movie. That's I didn't right. have to take... I don't have to take anyone's money and, you know, which is so brilliant. That's so brilliant for doc filmmakers, because that is such a, a, a rare occurrence that, that, you know, after the first film that we actually are able to put ourselves in a position 
uh, financially to not have to depend on someone to fund the next film and maybe the next one. That's a, that's a rarity indeed. And there's very little quiet money out there, right? Yeah. Like, you know, there, there are a lot of people willing to, you know, help you push their agenda and their cause and you lose creative control. Right. And I, I didn't get into this to be a dancing monkey. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I, I needed to do what I needed to do. And this is my Dharma. Like I'm, I, I, you know, just cause I'm not in the monastery doesn't mean I'm not doing that work. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I have some very good, uh, very good colleagues who probably will be listening to this and will, will appreciate those last couple sentences. I, I want to talk to you about, for our doc filmmaking audience, this idea of branding ourselves as artists. You know, we often can really hesitate. We really can hesitate to sell ourselves and maybe to sell our films. Speak to that, Pedram, and speak to the importance of why we should be out there sort of humping it to 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 get to a place where we have some some some, uh, some sustainability or we get to a place where we're, we're selling our films so that we will have an audience for those films and for more films. Here's a problem is pretty much every artist friend I have, um, healers, artists, I mean, we're all kind of, you know, in that same category is we don't, we don't like accepting money for our art and we don't like, you know, you know what I mean? So it's just a starving artist thing. And I had to face that because I realized that, you know what, either I'm going to stay up in the monastery, you know, know, make piles of rocks and meditate on them or come down here and play, play, you know, in the big leagues and that stuff takes money. Right. And so, you know, what am I doing with the money? I'm not blowing it up my nose. I'm not driving Range Rovers. I'm investing it in helping more and more people. So I just had to get over that and, and just be like, all right, look, money is just another game. It's actually like a completely like it's money's a complete heist. I'm doing another film right now on just how the monetary system is completely rigged and designed (laughs) to extract value out of people. Um, and, and so, you know, I'm I'm looking at all this going, look, if, if you want to further your goals, then how can you make money in an ethical way that doesn't that's not like, you know, it's like I think that patronage model sucks, too. It's like begging oh, people couldn't to agree more. Money to it's terrible. It, right. And so for me, I'm like, all right, so you've seen this. And if you're you know suffering from low energy and you might have diabetes and you got these 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 issues, yeah. then check out this amazing program we've put together with, you know, these top medical doctors and, and wellness experts in the field. They're going to help you, you know, X, Y and Z. Right. And with it comes, you know, 100 recipes and all these things. And we're here to help. And and so it's like you again, like for the hundred bucks, I'm giving them a thousand bucks worth of value. Yeah. And so I just kind of like lean in and like kind of lay on that altar of service and charge, you know, charge what I need to charge to make the party go on. And a lot of, and, and you know what happens is the audience sees it, right? Mm. They're like, oh, this guy, you know what? I like this guy. You know, this, this is, this is cool. This is, this is, I get it. Well, so it's about see trans- some authenticity there. I mean, that's... authenticity and transparency, yeah, right? And transparency. And so that's, that's the model for the new economy. And that's where I really kind of finally found my comfort zone. Cause wow. look, you know, I don't, none of us like that stuff, right? The people who like, and that's a problem. The people who do like that are running the country. They're like, you know, yeah. they're buying the lobbyists. They're the, you know, they're the ones that are screwing it all up. Yeah. So it's like the sociopaths get to win because they understand that that money is the ultimate scoreboard on on the planet and so you know i've actually kind of done an about face in the last few years gotten really into like we did our last film on conscious capitalism with all the big you know conscious conscious capitalist companies and i'm just like yo we need to make trillions of dollars yeah and take this shit back yeah yeah yeah, you're right (laughs) you know this is bullshit like we're we're losing because the good people of the world want to like sing kumbaya Mm. while the bad people are like buying the land and taking the water and and, you know and spilling oil everywhere and so (laughs) 
you, you know what I mean? It's just it it wasn't my beliefs weren't furthering my mission, and I realized that you know I had to kind of step in and and, and be much more responsible for my 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 footprint on the planet, and that it included that if I'm going to say I'm going to make films that transform the world, then what the hell are they doing? Right? Who's seen them? Because if <laughs> yeah. eight people see my film, I, you know, I might as well just go back to practice. Oh, totally. It's always an option. I, yep. I, I would like to read from the back of, of The Urban Monk, your book, The Urban Monk. And again, it's something that applies directly to the heart of, of us independent doc filmmakers. And it is, our world is an overwhelming place. Each day's commitments to career and family take everything we've got. And we struggle to focus on our health, relationships, and purpose in life. Technology brings endless information to our fingertips, but the one thing we really want, a sense of satisfaction and contentment, remains out of reach. We independent doc filmmakers, or, or doc lifers as we, as we refer to ourselves here in the program, we live this struggle and these commitments on a daily basis. We're constantly doing what needs to be done to make ends meet. We're trying to raise funds for our films. We're juggling our family life, you know, with our work and, and with our passion. Health, relationships, purpose in life, these are the things that often get neglected. So firstly, I'd like to ask you, Pedram, why is it critical for us, you know, to take a step back and examine how we're living this insanely paced, neurotic, if you will, lifestyle? For the passions that we have of doc filmmaking in this case. Look, it's I'm on hiatus right now for, you know, a week or so because of the holiday and stuff. And then I'm back on the road and I love being on the road and I got young kids at home. So it sucks. Like, you know, just there's a huge price to pay for me to be away on mm. campaign. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, I love. I mean, I get smarter every single day I'm in production because I sit with genius people and ask them questions that I'd want to ask anyways, yeah, right? right. And, and so if a project's worth doing, it's worth doing, then you just got to fill it out. And I just, I think speaking to documentary filmmakers and look, uh, you know, I've been around this world, but I didn't come from this world. So it's just, you know, I get the kind of like outsider view in yeah. it's, you know, Everyone's struggling with this thing called money, but then the 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 fat cats up top got the money and they kind of you know they they fund the crap right, and so I I feel that money flows to predictability, yeah. and if you understand how to take your title and leverage it and own your IP and get the email lists and do all the things that are just kind of common sense now with the way the internet works. Mm. Um, who cares if you're just one more tile on a Netflix feed that mm. just like passes someone, you know, you might get seen by, you know, 20,000 people it randomly over a week when they feature it. And then what? Right. Right. You still got to You got to learn how to do coalition building and get your stuff in front of the people um, who are you know kind of aligned with your message. And when you do that, then you're not stressed about the money. And then the whole thing kind of makes business sense. Um, you know, and then, then there's the, like the brass tacks of the whole damn thing, which is like, you know, are you ordering salads or are you ordering chicken wings because mm, you're on the road? Right. Mm, like mm. I just can't afford to eat like my crew. And now my crew doesn't eat that way either. Uh. Right. Right. Because we're just like at the point where we're like, you know, we're we're hearing too much smart stuff coming from like, you know, top class doctors talking about right now we're doing a, a series on the microbiome. It's revolutionary. Yeah. I'm like, wow, I would not feed that to the bad bacteria in my gut. And so, you know, you start living it 
And all of a sudden, you know, you have less drama, you have more balance. You know, I come home for the, for, you know, the weekends as often as I can while I'm on tour. Uh, and, and everything just kind of works better mm. when you're, you know, aligned with it, you know, and, and, and for me, you know, the other thing is, you know, a lot of documentary films, you know, kind of cover, cover injustice. They cover terrible things that are happening on the planet. And there's absolutely incredible value in that. Right. But I've gotten to the point personally, and again, this is personal opinion, right. is people are so, so tired inundated of seeing bad news and yeah. inundated with that, right. that unless you have like some sort of about face where you're like, all right, yeah, this sucks. And this is what we're going to do about it. Unless you could galvanize those emotions and kind of rally them into some sort of very simple and predictable action that would actually make the world a better place. Mm. Frankly, I think you just missed a free throw, right? You uh. spent so much time building this beautiful piece of art just to keep pissing people off without giving them some way to channel that. People need to have some direction in in some capacity to help take that energy, that that emotion and that goodwill and plug it into something that's going to move the needle. And for me, then you want to track how that's moving the needle so that you can show that it's working so that you can then continue to refine and, and iterate on that model because then you could use information as a force for good and you could use information as, as, as a way to kind of galvanize communities and, and get change that, you know, the change that you want to see on the planet, you have a, a, the power to do so um, if you do your film in a way that, that you know, creates community and draws action. And I agree with you wholeheartedly on so much of that. And, and that speaks to a lot of, of, of a lot of thoughts that I'm having lately in terms of really my mission as a doc filmmaker on this planet. Uh, but that being said, Pedram, and I, I know I know that you preface this with it, that this is your personal choice, man. This, this is this is this is the kind of films that you want to want to make. And, and and there's a, a very valid reasons for that. But 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 how about, you know, I don't know, the other 90 percent of doc filmmakers who are not necessarily creating films maybe to create change. Perhaps they're simply creating films to tell a story, to shine a spotlight. You know, a lot of the films that I do tend to be in developing countries. You mentioned Nepal. I've spent a bunch of time in Nepal and, and in Cambodia. And a lot of what I'm doing is trying to, 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 to shine a light on a culture and maybe practices within cultures that people wouldn't necessarily have any clue about, if not for perhaps maybe seeing seeing my film. Um, does that fit? Does that fall in line with that, or do you would you say absolutely. you know what that's not enough? Well, absolutely. But okay, so it, I mean, we could just workshop this out because yeah. listen, it's going to be different in every case, right? Totally, but, totally. You know, let's say you're you're profiling out some culture in Nepal. So is the underlying theme that look look at this beautiful way of life that you know is being kind of crowded out mm. by modern encroachment? Mm. Is this something that's just you know are we showing uh, you know interpersonal relations in a way that we are not used to and accustomed to seeing in the West? Sure. So it's just you know for me it's more like okay great that's I love story. I mean that's that's what we do. We're storytellers, right? right? So, but then what's the theme? What's the meta theme? What are, what are kind of the big, big pieces that could be moved on this chessboard to just make the world a slightly brighter place? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so for me, that's, that's just the filter I add on top of it. Not to say that's right. Again, I'm just a dude, right. But that's the filter I add on top of it because I feel like we're at this kind of inflection point where, 
I mean, reality is being questioned. Like anything that's said in media is either, you know, being called fake or, or not, depending on beliefs and all that. And so we have a, a tremendous responsibility as filmmakers mm. to advocate for beauty and truth in a way that that captures human spirit and gets them, you know, out of this polarity of like red team, blue team or whatever the hell game they're playing yeah. and sees people for who they are, mm. sees situations for who they are. And again, I don't do like political movies. I'm not I'm not, you know, I'm not some stooge that's trying to, you know, fight fight a fight for somebody else. Right. I just want to capture the the human spirit and show how we're all connected in one, right? And so for me, that I mean, I don't know if that answers the question, but I I would yeah, I would just look at the meta kind of like the the high level themes in what's happening in Nepal and then kind of bring that into kind of broader conversations into universities or something to keep the, you know, it not only does it give you more play on, on your film, but it keeps a conversation stoked and it becomes something that furthers the conversation on the planet. Um, and and I, I feel like we're at a point in history where we need a little bit more of that. Does every film have to do that? Absolutely not. Mm. Right. But that's, that's, again, that's my Dharma. That's my calling. Right. It's just, you know, it's one guy's opinion. And, and again, it's about inspiring people about what to be. If you focus your cameras on the darkness, you're spreading darkness on the planet. Yeah. I think that we need to spread light and, 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 you know, how do I say this? People are fucking zombies, man. And they're just, they're just trained to follow by the TV mm -hmm. and they're just, they're looking for someone they can trust to say, tell me what to do. Mm. And, and it's just this really yucky place that the human consciousness has gotten parked into. Yeah. And so we have a tremendous responsibility to inspire better behavior, inspire, um, goodness uh and we could do it right and we have the power to do it yeah. because we're working with a visual medium and we're playing with light and so i think that there there are unique opportunities in documentary filmmaking that um i think a lot of people um look past because there's just so much shit on tv yeah. and the answer there is don't make shit right yeah. make something beautiful and make something that helps people and inspiring and of course that's what everyone's trying to do mm. that's, and that's why i don't take money from outside you know entity funders right mm. like because i don't want someone to to tell me what kind of shit to make i want to follow the story pedram as we move towards wrapping up what i'd like to do is i'm going to throw out a few topics if you could give an actionable item or two that we can be maybe applying today or or pretty damn soon, that would be super helpful. And yeah. and one of the first topics, and this is a little bit of self-indulgence on my part. I'll readily admit that. Uh, I'm a big meditator. I'm a big proponent of meditation. Uh, for those who don't do this, Pedram, tell us briefly of the value, maybe in, even in sci at scientific terms, of a meditation practice and how you feel it might benefit a creative like a doc filmmaker. So we have studies now that show meditation helps suppress inflammatory gene expression. We know meditation helps empower the prefrontal cortex to help make better decisions, moral decisions, saying no to the cheesecake, all the kind of, you know, temptations that show up on the road. Um, it helps calm the mind. It moves us from sympathetic to parasympathetic nervous system, which gets us into rest and digest versus fight or flight. You know, all that, all that cute science stuff is, is coming around, but look, man, and you know this because I'm preaching to the choir right now, yeah. meditation just makes you better. It gets you to be present. Uh, every mistake you make on the road, I'm burning $10,000, $20,000 a day on production right now, right? Every mistake, <laughs> every mistake is a costly mistake, right? And so it, it helps you be better. It sharpens your knife. It helps you be focused. And when you have the eyes of a meditator and you kind of come across the talent and you could connect with them heart to heart in a way that's that's super 
pure and human, yeah. that's when the magic happens on the screen too. Like I always meditate before my interviews mm. because it allows me to elicit such better response from the people that we're interviewing. And it helps me tap into the, the deeper, juicier stuff that actually, you know, leads to great content. Yeah. Money. Money is a big thing. It's a struggle for, for, for a lot of artists. It's certainly a struggle and many are a challenge for many doc filmmakers. What's an actionable item that we can take away with? How do we, how can we get right with money? Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, don't spend more than you make, right? The basics is, you know, tighten the budget and get creative so that you don't get over your skis. Cause you know, having mm. money, having, having bills that you can't pay is the worst stress. Right. Mm. Uh, and then from there, look, there's a lot of creative ways to leverage money, but I'm not like, and again, this is my orientation, That's but right. I don't like, I don't go knocking on the door of the Annenberg foundation or mm. any of these guys trying mm. to get some stupid grant. That's going to take six years to maybe get right. Mm. I start working working with people, making creative deals and being like, look, let's do matching funds here. Let's do this. Let me figure out a way to sell this on the back end and do like an affiliate deal. There's a lot. Of, once you understand the flow of money, there's, th you know, Garrett Gunderson, who uh, is a friend of mine, is, you know, a money wealth management guy. You know, there's different kinds of capital. There's there's financial capital, obviously, like money. Uh, but then there's intellectual capital. And then there's also human capital mm. and, and, and all these things like relationship capital. So I could leverage relationships to then, you know, create like, you know, some a win for somebody who then owes me a favor that yeah. ends up a dude that's like, you know, here, dude, no, no, no problem, man. Here, you know, like, you know, we're not going to charge you rental on these cameras like you hooked us up. Right, right. It's so applicable in, in filmmaking. Yeah, that's what I mean. And like, look, everyone understands that we're trying to make art and everyone wants to help the good guy and everyone's stuck doing wedding videos or whatever the fuck they're doing, <laughs> you know, pay for pay for the lifestyle thing. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, dude, I'm doing this thing trying to save whales or talk about, you know, genocide in, in a positive way yeah. and, and, and and use relationships in a way that can kind of help benefit other people instead of begging and being like, because I'm doing this bleeding heart thing, you should give me free shit. That's, that's right. not that's not. We, that's weird, right? That's transactional and weird. Yeah. Uh, whereas, like, I'm doing this thing. How can help? And, and how can I help you, right? And really lean in on being, you know, useful and helpful to the people in your world, and finding ways to kind of connect people that that adds and stacks value. Mm. It comes around. It really does. It does. It does. Something else that we've that we that sometimes is awful hard to come by as an independent doc filmmaker or a freelancer um, or, or a creative, maybe with families, maybe juggling jobs and, and certainly doing the passion work. Something that's hard to come by is sleep. Why is sleep so damn important, Pedram? And what can we do to better it? Well, first of all, if you're not sleeping, you're not going to be creative no matter how good you think you're being, right? Like that's where the juicy stuff happens. Oh, yeah, man. And working in the film industry, it's like you know you're going to be out for 12 to 15 hours and, and burning the midnight oil has always, I felt like fueled me, right? I felt like this is what I have to do. I have to be working all hours if I want to live and if I want to pursue my passions. And uh, it has it, it definitely caught up with me at some point. But please continue. Yeah. And so like, you know, some of your best thinking is done on a mountain bike or hiking a trail. Oh, yeah. 
And, and so there are things that you can do that help you, you know, keep the weight down and keep your blood flowing, uh, and also help you get better sleep, uh, drinking coffee all day and getting cracked out isn't necessarily <laughs> the answer. Right. And so I, you know, I personally have switched my whole crew to a, a powder that, that I formulated that has uh, like 25 milligrams of guayusa, which oh, is wow. a Amazonian uh, tea leaf. And everyone's just so much calmer. It's, they're not getting those like coffee jitters. They're not like running to the toilet all the time. They're not, you know, looking for sugar as soon as the coffee crash comes. So there's a lot of, you know, kind of general lifestyle things that you can do that are super applicable. But man, here's the thing, like more isn't necessarily better, Better. right? Um, And if you have, look, if you got a nine to five and you got to come home and, you know, there's kids and, you know, householder responsibilities and you're just sitting there just like, just getting pissed off at everyone and everything because mm. they're all crowding out the time for your passion project, which you never have time for. And then you like, you know, cheat yourself with sleep and all that. I don't think that that's a sustainable burn rate either. Right. If you got to keep that nine to five, then tighten up your money and start saving some more and then like hire people to help you with the project or, you know, keep the nine to five and then, you know, work your way into like a, a, a sabbatical or a hiatus where mm. you can then take a dedicated week and like just go you know buzz off to like some you know mountain cabin or something mm. and just grind through it but you know just thinking about it and stressing about it but not doing it but feeling like shit because you're not getting to it and Ugh. hating your job and resenting your kids for banging on the door when you're trying to do it when they want your attention oh, yeah. i don't think that's that's a, that's not a sustainable model either and that doesn't lead to balanced lives and i think a lot of you know documentary filmmakers get stuck there and you know then they're like then yeah you know how much does a divorce cost what is it you know what is, you know what's that story that mm, Ka- you know cat stevens saying about right like there's a lot of bullshit <laughs> that happens when you neglect your family you know, trying to save the world. So, you know, you got to, you got to, you know, find a little bit better balance and look, it might take another year and a half to make the film. That's fine. Do it right. And don't break your family, break your back and break the bank doing it. We've been speaking with Dr. Pedram Shojai, also known as the urban monk. His book is the urban monk and his, his latest film is prosperity. He is the founder of well.org. Man, what an incredible conversation this has been. Pedram, any final thoughts for us, doc filmmakers? Yeah, I'd have to say, listen, we all have a tremendous responsibility. Nothing is worth saying unless it's worth saying. No image is worth capturing unless it's worth capturing. So I, I have personally, I think less is more. And I think finding that balance in our lives and really tapping into the purpose of why we're doing what we're doing then allows us to have the strength and the resilience um, and and the creativity to make the project happen. You know, I just, my first project, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I just, I I worked relationships to the point where I got a film done and it, you know, it set me on my path. But I had to slow down because I was getting really frustrated, um, kind of banging my head against the wall, trying to do something I didn't understand and didn't have a budget to finish. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, stepping back and meditating and doing the things that um, I know better than I should have been doing anyways. actually gave me the clarity to, you know, kill some of those babies and make the film a lot simpler of a film. And I ended up, you know, doing tremendously well, Uh, you know, and that one was okay. But, you know, after that, I mean, I just, you know, my film started making millions of dollars and, and doing really well. And I never 
gave them to a distributor until I was done with them, right? Um, <laughs> but I had to take the nexus of control. I wasn't waiting for some jackass to take my title and like you know click my heels together and hopefully you know magic happened. Um, you know you you got you got to own it. You got to own it. It's your project. So don't just sign away your rights. Pedram, this conversation has exceeded any and all expectations that I could have possibly had. You were an absolute perfect guest for the documentary life in many, many ways. Thank you so much for being on the program today. Man, thanks for doing this. Uh, I, th- I love the fact that you you got a voice in this space, and I love documentary filmmakers. They're the people I like having drinks with, you know, at the bar and just talking about the the life that we live. Um, and look, if you're listening to this right now keep it up you're in a great space and i promise you like dockies dockies are here to stay and they're going to grow so you're actually on the mayflower just just understand that you know if, if the water's choppy um you know you're you're on the mayflower like this is this is a form of media that is absolutely going to be crushing it i think in the next 10 years amen brother thanks again for being on the show let's get you on again sometime happy to thank you Don't forget, we'd love to have you join us in the Documentary Academy. Come and take a look at how we can help you make your best documentary film at thedocumentarylife.com slash academy. That's thedocumentarylife.com slash academy. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.